Tobin Bawinkle, frontman for Flatfoot 56, is here for a talk. Good to have you back on The Antidote, Tobin. Good to be back, man. It's always a pleasure. I was going to call myself your biggest fan, but I may just be your shortest fan since I'm only 5'6". You and your brothers don't have any height impairment, do you? No, no, we're we're all huge people, so it's, it's kind of a part of our normal uh, normal life to be head and shoulders above the rest, you know. <laughs> you don't always realize how big you are when you're um, when you're that big. You just kind of think you're the same, and then you see a picture, and you're like, "Oh my gosh!" I want to talk about your brothers. They've always been a part of Flatfoot Fifty Six. You have Kyle on bass, but Justin's been replaced with your new drummer, Conrad Allsworth. It wasn't one of those, you know, Justin, we can't stand you anymore. You're out of the band, was it? <laughs> <laughs> no, we would never do that. Justin was a really important aspect of the band. He he and his wife, his wife was our basically our business person. She ran everything. She ran the office. And by the time in 2012, uh, he was just like, you know, I, I really have to... Um, start building my family. My wife and I have been dedicating 12 years to this and we just really want to start our life. So they're like, we want to have kids. We want to go to school and start moving forward with life. So that's only understandable. Um, this is a very intelligent guy. So he's got a lot going for him and um, he always wanted to be a, an engineer. So um, he, uh, he's been going to school and he bought a house down in Indianapolis and had a little baby girl and he's just living a life. So, it's sad to see him go, but at the same time, we're we're happy for him. You know, whatever whatever makes him happy, that's the most important part. You know. Well, what about telling us about the other band members of Flatfoot? <laughs> well, um, we have Eric and Brandon, who are still in there, hanging out, still rocking it. Uh, Kyle's working as well, and then we have the new drummer Conrad. Um, he joined us after Justin left. He was in he's uh, in one of Brandon's our mandolin player side project bands and. Really great guy. He's, he's now the youngest guy in the band. I think he's like 24, um, and uh, which is kind of a baby to the rest of us. But, uh, you know, we're <laughs> we give him a hard time. We're constantly perplexed at the movies that he hasn't seen. You know, we're like, so have you seen Spinal Tap? And he's like, no. We're like, what? You know, <laughs> it's just one of those things. But he's, he's, a, he's kind of a metalhead. He kind of grew up listening to metal bands. So the punk thing was a new one for him to step into. And then... Uh, when he did, he really took to it, so he, he's doing a good job. I've seen you guys play, so I know that you're crazy, but who's the craziest one in the band? <laughs> um, I would say Brandon or Conrad. Um, they're the wildest. I mean, Conrad's definitely the goofier one. He has a lot of fun and does a lot of funny stuff, but because he's a new guy, I think he, he watches out a little bit what he does. Uh, but Brandon's always been pretty fun-loving and we're not a really crazy group, actually. We're we're pretty laid back, but um, we just save it all for the stage, I think. And you do, because Flatfoot 56, I mean, it's no one for its wild live shows. Your band has had a couple of Russian tours. You've toured Europe, even played Japan. Where do you get the biggest response? Um, our biggest shows that we play... Um, are usually shows that we headline that aren't like festivals is usually in Moscow, Russia. Um, for some reason, uh, in 2012, we went there for the first time and, um, or 2013, I think was the first year we went. And, uh, first show we had, there was 370 kids and they just went nuts. And every time we go back, it gets bigger and bigger. So 
yeah, just uh, for some reason they they latched on to Flatfoot and they love the show. So we'll go back and play in Moscow and draw about six hundred people for a show, which is a pretty good you know headliner show. That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, we enjoy it. You know, with Celtic punk being such a narrow part of the music scene, I've always wondered mm-hmm. why you guys chose that style and how the band came around. <laughs> um, we just wanted to play. We were we were playing punk rock in general, and we, and we wanted to play something that was a little different. And we just had a friend that played bagpipes. Those it's cool with us, and we were like, well, why don't we have you jump in for a few songs? You know, ACDC did it. You know, might as well. You know, see if we can make it work and we were really all new at our instruments at the time and really young so we didn't know how to do it but as time went on um you know he said just join the band and we'll, we'll mess with this as it goes and he ended up picking up a mandolin a little bit later and he just kind of started coming about you know we didn't invent the genre obviously the pogues were playing celtic uh music with kind of a punk edge back in the in the 80s um, and then obviously you have the, the behemoths of, you know, Dropkick Murphy and Flog and Molly and these different bands that kind of just take in the scene and run with it. But, um, I didn't hear about most of the current Celtic punk bands that were going until about a year into our band. Um, I just didn't know about them. And then I heard about them and I was like, oh man, these guys are great. You know, this is really good. But we were using bagpipes and music before that. And then. I guess I just didn't know all about the whole scene and my scene was very limited to nineties punk and then uh, more skate punk type stuff <laughs> and ska and that kind of thing. Yeah. It just kind of formed out of that. And then as time went on, we got more informed, but it wasn't from the band that was started because we had heard a band and we're like, Oh, we want to be like them. And then kept going. It was just a, let's just be creative and step out of the box if we can. And then, uh, you know, different things kind of influenced us, you know, and now Flatfoot is the influencer. I remember just last year seeing a Ottawa Celtic punk band playing in Peterborough, and they just flipped when they heard that I'd met with you before. Oh, really? <laughs> <laughs> That's hilarious. It's funny, you, uh, it's not easy to start a punk band when we did and, and kind of go over the, the period of time that we did it. And it's, it's very difficult. I mean, you're the young band, even though you've been around for 17 years. You know, all the bands that are big are still older than you. Um, and there hasn't been a ton of bands that have blown up in the time that we've been playing to be massive. You know, there's a few exceptions like Gaslight Anthem and whatever, but it takes a long, long time to really just grow immensely in the scene. And um, for us, I think it took even longer. <laughs> so <laughs> it's, uh, I think we're respected. I think there's a lot of respect that we've been able to build because of just friendships and People saw, you know, the true colors of us, and but just I think it was kind of like the Celtic scene was really big in the early 2000s, and then you know people get sick of that idea, and then they just say, "Well, I'm, I'm all I will listen to much more," and you know, and it just kind of becomes this cliche thing that a lot of people think about. But reality is, is that there's a lot of different kinds of Celtic bands, and it's a good community of people. I'm not going to ask this trying to get you to pump up Flatfoot 56, but how do you consider yourself different from those other bands, from Flogging Molly and from Dropkick Murphys? Well, um, content-wise, we don't sing about the same kinds of things. I mean, I think I think Flogging Molly and Dropkick over the last years have gotten a lot more into the more of a working-class social justice element. Um, 
but this is people where just we come from a different place, different world than they do, you know, which is basically the same for everything. Flogging Molly doesn't have bagpipes, so they're not the same exact type of band. Um, I have mad respect for both those bands. Um, but uh, a lot of people have always said that we're, we stuck kind of more with the old school sound. With Dropkick, kind of had a different kind of evolution than we did. So um, we have a tendency to kind of cling more to the hardcore side of things. Of music, we have a tendency to, to cling more with uh, on the Americana side of things. Uh, we didn't really go too deep into the drinking songs. We don't we don't have any songs about you know that aspect of the Celtic scene. Um, we always kind of consider ourselves to be more of a punk band with bagpipe and Celtic overtones rather than a true blue you know Irish punk band or Scottish punk band. You know, yeah, it, it, it's just it's content wise. There's a lot of different content. If you look at the lyrics of what we write and how we write, there's just different bands. Our, our emphasis are different, and we have a we have a faith element to us in in basically what we believe. And if you believe in something, it's going to come out in your music. You know, just because it's if it's true to who you are, then you're going to be honest. So I think it's a part of it. It's just a part of who you are. Yeah, yeah. It's, I think we're more mandolin driven than a lot of those bands are too. We don't have as many instruments as Dropkick or Flogging while I do either. Uh, we'll have instruments on the albums, but we're, we're consistently a five-piece with just basic two guitars, bass, drums, and then it'll either be a bagpipe or a mandolin. There's not there's not an accordion player with a bazooki or banjo player playing too. It's just a consistent uh, stripped-down balls-to-the-wall energy experience, I think, is what is what we're more about, I guess. Well, Flatfoot 56 has been busy. I mean, it's been a few years since the band released Toil. Now you're on the verge of your latest album, Odd Boat, which is out March 3rd. Does this yeah. make this the lucky album with it being number seven? <laughs> <laughs> I actually never thought about that. Um, uh, I'm, I'm hoping so. I mean, obviously every album you put out, you want it to get the best shot possible. Um, and we're really excited about how it's turned out. We were able to put it out uh, pretty much fund most of the album ourselves, uh, and then we're um, going to be joining together with uh, all American label um, Sailor's Grave here in America. Is going to be helping us out with distribution and a little bit of promotion. Um, but that's pretty much it. We we pay for the recording, all of the pressing, everything. You know what I mean? They're not putting the record out like that. They're just helping us with distribution. And then in Canada, we're going to be releasing it through uh, Stomp Records uh, up in Canada. So. Awesome. The big ska label from Montreal. Yeah, yeah. They've always been good to us. And, I mean, we, we still have to solidify a few things, but that's where we're headed. Well, you just thought it was time for a change to go back to the early days, I guess, of the band by putting it out this way? Um, well, the world's changed. and the, the opportunities to be able to put music out independently are so much greater now than they've ever been. And, uh, you know, you, you start getting sick and tired of turning your music over to somebody else and putting it in their hand, and just feeling like they just don't care about it as much as you do. I mean, uh, we've been blessed to work with some great people and not complaining about them, but no one's going to really push your music as much as you push it yourself. So we figured, you know, since we're going to be pushing it ourselves anyway, um, might as well keep it in house. You know what I mean? So and we do have a publicist and we're, we are using a distribution company, but um, when it comes to keeping up everything and working it, we manage ourselves. We have, we just picked up a booking agent um, a few months ago, but for the last two years, we've been booking all our own tours and stuff. And 
um, just kind of getting back to the roots of what it's all about, you know. It seems to be the way of the world. It doesn't matter if you're a huge band or a small band. People are taking it back and doing it themselves. Yeah. The, the keys to the kingdom aren't really held by labels anymore like they used to be. Um, there's sites where you can go on, log your music up, and it'll be on iTunes and, all, and Spotify and all the sites. And you don't need a label to do that anymore. And you can set up your own web store. You know, it's just kind of like I'm on tour, you know, yourself. All you really need is a booking agent to help you book the shows and you're, you're off and going. So, but that's, that's easier said than done. You know, there's a lot of years of banging your head against a wall, uh, trying to get it to move, you know, (laughs) (laughs) let's talk about odd boat. The opening song on the album, it sort of took me by surprise. I mean, I know you're from (laughs) Chicago and you're probably a huge Cubs fan, but having a song. No, we're not. We are not. (laughs) We're, we're actually all White Sox fans, um, except for one. Our bagpiper is a Cubs fan. Yeah, I'm sure it would be surprising to hear a song about a Detroit Tigers uh, baseball player. Um, yeah, Ty Cobb. <laughs> yeah, I'm a history buff, um, and I'm always really intrigued by really interesting characters throughout history. Um, about two years ago, I was watching the Ken Burns baseball documentary, it's like, I don't know, eight episodes. It's extensively long, but there's just some really good elements of it. And there was a quote in there by a sports writer that the documentary quoted about Ty Cobb that always stuck with me. And it was a quote that uh, turned out to be the chorus of the uh, of the song, but uh, basically said that Ty Cobb was so angry that he would be willing to climb a mountain to slap his own echo. Um, <laughs> and I thought, I thought it was such a cool creative way to describe somebody who was cantankerous and um and i started looking into the personality and the the person of ty cobb and he's always intrigued me you know it's how could somebody be so angry and yet be one of the most legendary baseball players of all time and uh i started digging into this guy and he was just he was nuts like i mean <laughs> you know you have you have characters like uh, pete rose who were kicked out of the baseball hall of fame for betting but Ty Cobb, to his deathbed, claimed that he murdered a guy with a knife, and he's still in the Baseball Hall of Fame. It's the craziest thing ever, you know? There's a rich tradition within um, bluegrass music and Celtic music of telling stories about the legends of your world, the, the people that really shake things up, the ones that are uh, folklore icons, and whether they're villains or whether they're heroes, you sing songs about him to kind of remember uh, what they were about. And uh, Ty Cobb was somebody that was extremely shrouded in mystery of why he was the way he was. I mean, he, he had been through a lot of really traumatic things early on. And uh, I don't know. It was kind of a song that wrote itself. It was really kind of weird. Um, and definitely not the kind of character that we like to put up on a pedestal as a band. I mean, he wasn't a very good person, but... I'm an avid studier of personalities and what makes people tick. And uh, he's definitely one of the most interesting that I've ever read about. Wrote a song about him. With you being that way, does that make it easier for you as a storyteller, as a song crafter? Yeah, yeah. Um, People always ask me that. We live in a world that doesn't value a very old school tradition, especially in America, of folktale and folklore. Uh, We kind of lost it, I think, with the technology era. We don't value, like we used to at least, um, the the art of telling a story. 
in America, we have National Public Radio, and you got great shows on there like Prairie Home Companion and The Moth Radio Hour and that kind of thing. And those those are kind of like storytelling shows. But um, if you look at history, if you read stories from story writers you know, or sports writers or whatever, you know Mark Twain. The, the way they would write a story was art in the in the purest form, and we've lost that a lot. And I guess the song Taikawa is kind of an effort to acknowledge the way that people used to talk and how they used to create a story with their words. Um, kind of create a big fish type of scenario. You know what I mean? Um, I just felt like it was something that was lost. It's a huge part of Celtic traditions to be a great storyteller. So I thought we would do the same with our music. On Oddboat, Flatfoot 56 has a couple of guests on the album, like Garrett Dale of Red City Radio. For the song Penny, you pulled in somebody really close to you, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I'm a huge fan of my wife's voice. Uh, she's just got a very pure, um, sweet, awesome voice. And uh, she was an artist before I even met her, uh, putting out her own albums. And she does kind of a very chill electronic style uh, music. And um, we just thought about it. We wanted to do a song that was kind of the fury that is punk rock, but my gravelly, rougher voice. And then juxtapose that with the purity of her voice. And actually, uh, Penny is actually going to be the, the first single released. We're excited about letting people hear it, you know. You know, tall guys are notorious for marrying smaller girls and vice versa. <laughs> so you got to be honest and tell us the height difference between you and Vanessa. Um, she's, she's, she's about five, seven. She's not really short, but she's pretty normal. Um, and then I'm six ten, so it's a pretty big difference, but <laughs> she's not, she's not a tiny person. She's not tiny short. Um, she's actually Canadian. Uh, she's from uh, Saskatoon. So. Oh, but, nice. So yeah. there's, there's our Canadian content that we need for Canadian radio. There you go. Yeah. She, <laughs> she moved down, she moved down to the States when she was younger with her, her father, who's a college professor. And, uh, yeah, but she's an absolute sweetheart. So I'm excited to, uh, it's kind of a way to get her. She actually plays accordion on the on some of the tracks as well and threw some stuff in there too. So did a great job. And you didn't just rope her in because she is married to you. Like, I hope uh, you were no. paying the girl. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, I I love her voice. You know, I think that was definitely one of the things that attracted me to her. And I was like, man, I would love, I would love for you to sing on one of these songs if you'd be willing to. And she loves performing, so it worked out good, you know. Oh, that's great. Um, Flatfoot 56 fits the punk genre by being opinionated. But on the trap, you're not just being opinionated. I mean, you come across as just being downright angry. <laughs> um, yeah, we, uh, I mean, obviously the world that the album was written in, which is, I think we started writing it in the fall of, 2015 so it was basically a very politically charged year um and we're not an extremely political band johnny cash in my opinion he's got the best approach to politics you know he's you know we're musicians we can talk about society and the world that we live in but when it comes right down to it uh we're not supposed to be preaching politics um but there's some elements to where uh when, when it comes to your faith and what you believe and when people are using that and twisting it and manipulating it to 
get votes, uh, you get very angry about that. And um, I think that's where the root of that song comes from. It's it's not a this is the side that we take type of song. It's a, a commentary on politics. Our media is a big source of a lot of this too. Um, and what we consume as people, I mean, when you consume nothing but drama, that's what you're going to start becoming, um, a drama-filled country. <laughs> so um, that was kind of the frustration in that song. Um, if your focus is constantly on, you know, the Kardashians and, and who's fighting with who this week, um, <laughs> well, guess what kind of political leaders you put into office, you know, after you consume that much, though, that, that's the kind of thing that you train your ear for. That's the kind of response that you get. And um, uh, if that song serves as any purpose, it's it's an effort to say, you know what, like politics has never been a solution to anything. It's just divided a lot of people. And we see that when we go to countries that don't necessarily agree politically with ours. There's They're full of regular people that have sweet, normal, awesome desires for their life. And according to what we see on our TV screens, we're supposed to hate each other based on politics. And I just refuse to do that. It's absurd. And so um, I think that's that, that song particularly is kind of a, a let the steam out a little bit and let's, uh, let's really get back to what's really important. Um, I'm not against being politically active in your community, but go out and, and feed the poor, go out and vote in people that'll help your neighborhood because that's where it really is going to make the biggest impact in your personal life. Um, instead, we're all distracted by these big drama-filled escapades that really just divide a lot of people. So, I hear you. Yeah. The world's changed a lot in the last three years. And uh, I think it's good. I think we're, we're becoming aware as people of what has been under the surface for a very long time. Uh, but what are we going to do about it now? We do need to fix it. And we, we're realizing there's a lot of cancer that was growing that we didn't want to focus on. Now it's there and we need to, we need to address it. So um, the album Odd Boat actually has a lot of underlying themes that are stepping into areas that as a band, we haven't addressed as much in our past. And we wanted to do it in a very wise way. to where we weren't being preachy. Punk bands that are preachy, that's their thing. It's not who we are. We're not up on that stage to tell people uh, what to love or what to hate. We're not up there to tell them who to vote for. We're up there to um, just encourage people, let our music be something that lifts people up, not tears them down or pits them against each other. And uh, and that was really kind of the, the purpose of it. But that doesn't mean you don't address issues. We live in a city that's the worst violence. I mean, our, our murder rate in, in Chicago this year is, was atrocious. It was awful. And, I mean, they were finding decapitated heads in, in lakes in the middle of city parks, you know what I mean? And just crazy stuff's going on in our city, and you just can't sit there and, and dance around and just play like nothing's happening without bringing it up, you know, so. And that's how the song Englewood came up? Yeah, yeah. Actually, Englewood uh, is an interesting song. None of us grew up in Englewood. Um, it's a rougher neighborhood. It's actually been cleared out a lot, but I was uh, part of a few groups that would go to Englewood and uh, for prayer meetings, and, and I knew a lot of pastors in Englewood that would do prayer walks through the, their neighborhood to just try to uh, bring peace to their neighborhood. Um, and uh, I would go in there with a few groups just to kind of meet with them and talk with them and get to know them. 
and uh, got a real heart for it. We talk a lot about the good areas, um, but we don't really address the bad areas. And I think uh, with the hurt that goes on in some of our own neighborhoods that are right next to us, uh, for us to not notice some of what they're going through and what's going on, uh, it's a real shame, and it doesn't it doesn't help anybody. These are our fellow Chicagoans, our fellow Americans, and color doesn't matter. We're still Chicagoans, and we need to take care of each other and reach out, do what we can to help each other out. So um, Inglewood was an effort to kind of bring some light to the perspective of, you know, kids that I teach. None of the kids in my school are from Inglewood, but some of them come from areas near there. And, uh, you know, their life is very much different from the one that I grew up in. And I live in the same city, just in a different neighborhood. And uh, so I, I think as a band, we wanted, to, we wanted to shed some light on, on what life was like for a lot of those areas. And we can only do that because we didn't grow up there. Um, we can only do it in a certain amount, a certain way. Um, but for us to not address it or say, hey, we're here with you at all, uh, would be a real shame. And so that was the effort made for that song. Well, you spoke about some of the topics that are covered on Odd Boat. You've got one track that's quiet and it's really personal. Can you share more about the song KPM? Yeah. Um, our bagpiper, Eric McMahon, he, uh, he was actually a merch guy for us for years. And we grew up with him. He was a little kid that tagged along uh, at shows when we were playing back in 2003, 2004. Um, he was at some of the first shows. I actually remember he was at, he was at the show that I first saw the first ever Flats of 56 t-shirt made, um, (laughs) kid had made himself. And, um, so we kind of grew up around him. Uh, when he came into the band, he had just lost his father, uh, who had died of cancer. And, uh, it was something that really kind of. It rocked his world, and it's something he still works through, you know. And, and so uh, we talked to him and said, you know, Eric, would you like to write a song, you know, about your dad? Um, and kind of a, an ode to him. And the, and the album, actually, when people get the packaging, there's a little line in the bottom that says this album is dedicated to the memory of Kevin Patrick McMahon. And so his dad was a neat guy. I remember him when I was a teenager. I remember seeing him. He was a Chicago paramedic uh, involved with the uh, Midway Airport uh firehouse and uh, he would travel around and just help people out he was a uh, uh, young uh, a young men's uh, there's like kind of a camping group that we were all a part of and he was one of the leaders in that and um, just a really good good man and so when he passed away uh, it was a really hard thing so we decided to to let eric be featured on his first lead vocal song and so he sings that song and um it turned out good i was really excited about the heart that's behind it and it was kind of a a good thing for his family to have made as well. So we're excited about that song. Well, you were talking about Eric's voice. The the final song on Odd Boat is The Voice. A line of the song says, there's a voice crying out in the streets for the hungry and the broken to taste of peace. Whose voice is calling out? Um, I think there's there's an element inside of humanity in all of us that cries for justice and in my in my personal um, faith and belief, you know, like I gotta ask where that comes from. What is it inside of us that that says that justice needs to happen, and what justice is? What is it inside? Is it just uh, something that we're raised with? Is it just something that our society dictates to us? 
or is it something deeper? What what tells me that it's wrong to lie? What tells me that it's wrong to uh, to be violent? Um, what are the things that kind of guide the way we treat each other? And what is the dictator of what truth is? Um, and in my personal belief, you know, I believe that you know it, it's it's God, it's the Holy Spirit that challenges us to 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 treat each other with respect. It's to to speak for the those who can't speak for themselves. Um, and uh, what is that voice that cries out in me when something happens or when I see somebody that just breaks my heart? Where does that come from? And I think uh, that song's kind of a wrestling with, hey, guys, like, you know, it's not just our goodwill. There's a great quote in, in, in the study of history. It's every modern society is within four meals of a complete breakdown of chaos, <laughs> which is kind of a pessimistic way of looking at life, but We've seen that over and over throughout history. We just collapse when things get hard as a society. And what keeps us seeking after good things? What What is the thing that gets us to pursue justice um, for those who can't get it for themselves? Um, you know, that's kind of the main message of that song. I believe that there is something that, that challenges us towards good things, and it's not just uh, within our human nature, you know, I'll always I think there's good things in us, but it comes from somewhere. It's not just a product of our quote-unquote evolution, you know. Then could we also spin that statement around and say that also describes your voice and the music of Flatfoot 56? It could. Um, definitely. I mean, you know, I, I think that's probably speaking higher of us than than we would probably ever speak of ourselves. <laughs> but I, I am also a fan of not dictating what people take from a song. Um, you know, I can tell you what I what I wrote it with, but if somebody else takes and is inspired in a good way, in another way from it, hey man, that's awesome. Well, it's been 17 years for Flatfoot 56, so what's going to happen when Mr. Tobin Bawinkle gets old, gray-haired, and wrinkled? <laughs> I don't. I can't hear anything anymore. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'll tell you, man. I I'm feeling it today. I, I was out playing football right before the big game yesterday, and uh, I am feeling like a man who got hit by a truck today. So, um, I think you know, Flatfoot will always will always be around. Um, we may uh, slow up or speed up in different points, but um, we have some amazing fans. We have some really incredible people that have been really supportive of us and. You know, I, I just uh, I want to be a band that definitely inspires people to be creative. I want to be a band that encourages people to press onward when they're struggling um, and to speak life into those that feel like they're dry bones. And so if we're not willing to, to speak when we're feeling like dry bones, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> uh, then how much, you know, how, how much can we really uh, preach that message, you know, <laughs> so... Um, uh, yeah, so I, I think, you know, Flatfoot will continue going forward. It's getting harder. I will say that it's not as easy as it used to be. Um, I'm sure as, as kids come along and things like that, there'll be, there'll be some things. I'm, I'm always inspired by uh, a band called Cox Bar. Um, you know, and they've been playing for four, over 40 years now and they've had their kids raised together. Their kids are in bands together and they're still playing music all over the world. So, um, Whenever I see them, I, I'm always asking them, how do you guys do it? Give me some advice. I want to have a longer career playing music. 
than just uh, a flash in the pan experience, you know. Um, but I tell you, man, when a kid walks up to you and says, I, uh, I'm the son of a fan of yours that used to go to your shows when he was in high school and, and the kid's like 12, you realize, man, I am old. <laughs> I never <laughs> thought I'm getting there, you know. <laughs> Tobin, as always, thanks for coming to The Antidote, man. I've really loved our talk. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate the, the opportunity to have a conversation with you, man. It's always a pleasure. Hey, this is Tobin from Flatfoot 56, and you've got The Antidote with Dave Hawkins.